Uh, we're doing all the pre-show stuff, but actually live now. This is uh, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> it's recorded it's a, for its prosperity. It's a peek behind the curtain. Yes. <laughs> yes, we might have to go in and edit the first half an hour out of this or something in the end. <laughs> Any views expressed in this podcast are those of the individual and not of their employer. Welcome to the Avon Avon Podcast. Hi, I'm Al. I'm John. I'm Stu. And I'm Jerry. Hooray, we made it to episode 100 and we're live somewhere on the internet. Um <laughs> We're just going to apologise to Dave now. Sorry for the audio issues. If this is going to be a really hard podcast um, to um, edit, so what has everyone been up to then? See, this is this is where the the people will see behind the, the scenes of just how amazing Dave is. Yeah. Because normally at this point, it's like, who's going to go first? Shall I go first? Why don't I go first? No, no. Oh, okay. You go first, then. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm here. You know, which uh, feels feels a bit odd at the moment because it's been quite a while. I, I don't know. Was I in the last episode? Uh, you you yeah. were. Yeah, you were in the last one, but not in the one. Yeah, before. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so uh, I have been uh, actually going out and seeing customers. So uh, done face to faces meetings with customers, not just my account team, which was fantastic. I got to talk to uh, some some of our, our lovely listeners. Well, one two two of our lovely listeners who invited me to a hackathon at their at their offices, uh, which was great. Uh, it was kind of a work thing, but it, so uh, it's um, John uh, who who a few of us have met at Odd Camp. Uh, he kind of recommended to his boss that that they should invite me there because I work for uh, a company that they use. Uh, and so that was all a bit odd, but he he invited me there because of the fact that I do the podcast. So they contacted me and were like, "Would you like to do a live podcast recording at our hackathon?" I'm like, "No, that uh, no, that's I, I can't I can't look. I only have one mic, and that's not good enough to get many people around. But it was really lovely of them to invite me, and it was really good for them to think of me. Uh, so yes, yeah, so I was there. I was there all day yesterday. Had a lovely chat with with them, talking about kind of stuff that we do with work and stuff that they could use. That was that was good fun. So that's that's kind of been me really. It's just it's just all normal work, kind of eating up all the time. It's, I'd see now because so the other thing as well is we don't normally do video. So the fact that I've just seen Stu doing that means he gets to go next. Stu, <laughs> yeah. what have you been up to? Works for me. Uh, so I've been at the same job for a while now, which, um, as um, everyone probably knows on this podcast, is a bit of a bonus for me. Um, but, yeah, it's um, very heavily on the SRE side, still doing a lot of work to try and kind of change the culture of where we are a little bit in terms of more thinking reliability is a primary concern, not just an afterthought. I mean, it, it's the same thing we've been discussing past few podcasts in terms of how to start focusing on it, where to start focusing your energies. Do you start thinking in terms of, we're just going to put some monitor in place and carry an alert in the same way we are, or we're actually going to use that to make decisions kind of thing. And yeah, it's, it's just, just that kind of thing. And yeah, not much different from before, but just doing more of it. Kind of similar as John said, the, the work is just, work is working, I guess. Jerry's turn now. <laughs> yeah, so I've, I've uh, 
I think I hinted in the last episode, I started a new gig. This is for a company using Kubernetes and Rancher specifically to to deploy Kubernetes. Um, and they've got this project for this one client that I've been working on. So it's it, it, the platform, if you like, that they're running it on is vSphere or VMware. Um, is that on-premise or in the cloud? Yeah, it's on-prem. Uh, it's, it's a... Um, a, uh, I don't know. I, I won't mention the client just in case. Um, yeah. But it, but it's a kind of public body somewhere in a different time zone. So there's all those challenges of working with teams in different time zones. This particular one is Australia, which is quite quite different. Yeah. And yeah. there's yet another team involved with that who are in New Zealand. So um, even even more time difference. So. Time difference. Australia is difficult because we have a we we couple of our our offices are in Australia and their server went offline and like trying to arrange when you're on, when you're awake and they're awake at the same yeah, time trying yeah. to work out. I was going, what time is it? Oh, it's three o'clock in the morning over there. We're no way. If you going to get anyone. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. interesting thing with that one is a job I had a few years ago. It was on, almost the opposite. You know, you'd be on a night shift um, then just saying, right, we're going to do the monitoring, but some of them yeah. would be coming online. So you just say, right, okay, can you do some of our changes um, because you're about to go online? Say, so, yeah, absolutely fine. So some ways it actually works. So, yeah. I mean, it can be good for, you know, being on call, for instance. You can be on call for someone on the other side of the world with while you're in the office kind of thing. Yeah. There's yeah, that we'll kind of, follow, of follow the sun in our sun, offices. Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah so so yeah there's there's been that and on, on the on the other side um i'm kind of finding that the freelance work is there's too much freelance work for me to do in the time that i have so i'm kind of looking or thinking about expanding or, or you know getting p- other people in to do that work uh, or to do little bits of work but there's a challenge there of um giving finding the work to give to people uh, and also sorting out my all my Ansible code and so on, so it's usable by someone else <laughs> and, and makes sense to other people who might look at it. Uh, and I should really set up a CI server as well to um, to do the changes that they're these pe- these uh, hypothetical people are going to make uh, to to actually implement those those things. So yeah, so you're not going to give them the SSH keys to your machine and let them do it. Um, <laughs> I do. These are people that I trust, so I probably would do that. But I'm being a, being a good um, sort of modern ops person. I we don't really want to be SSHing into machines if we can help it. So yeah. that's that's the idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's me really. Using GitHub Actions, or if you're using GitLab, using uh, GitLab runners. Yes, yeah. So I I have been looking at, at specifically at GitHub Actions actually, uh, and I, I've actually come pr- across a problem that uh, there's various things because I want to run my Ansible code against these machines, but the GitHub Action that I'm using doesn't seem to work through a jump box, so through an intermediate SSH host. Uh, the the GitHub Action uh, I can't remember the exact name, but it's it's something that it, Builds an SSH config and an SSH is into the machine. That doesn't seem to work through a jump a jump box uh, for whatever reason. So that's the current challenge. Uh, so I, I would like to give these developers these GitHub actions with kind of you know a drop down box to do a certain thing, um, which would feed into an Ansible 
playbook. But until this jump box thing is is solved, um, are you saying that's, that's it, it's GitHub actions? Like if someone does a commit or something on the branch or something, that then does that then does something else. Yeah, I mean, think of it like Azure pipelines. Um, if you're familiar with Azure DevOps, yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's it's that sort of thing. So yeah, so I was going to say because I've been working, we would ask we're talking about Terraform modules and stuff, and we've got quite far with that now at work. We're doing different Terraform modules. Now, kind of thing we're looking at is doing the continuous integration. What you were just talking about there, Jerry. I'm going to put a link into show notes about anyone heard of called Ned in the Cloud before on the YouTube channel. He's really good about explaining continuous integration with infrastructure as a code. So no, it's really good. He really just, he explained it really well. So what I'm talking about is that so like you're saying what you're doing is that if you commit something into a branch or something or into whatever you want to do, it then obviously follows through and then if it will then run the Terraform code. But what I wanted to talk about, what what you guys I think Stuart might have an opinion on is like what kind of branching strategy you should use for continuous integration. Because it's not like it's like it's different like if you're doing if you're writing code or whatever what kind of the branching strategy does like if you like you do you, do you have the master is what goes into production and then you create features off that or you can have it git lab flow which is the other way where you have a like the master is goes into your production so is it on your is into your dev environment and then like you then branch off that to then go into your different environments does that make sense have i done that that makes sense to people with better way of saying it jerry uh, i mean in my opinion the way to go is is trunk based so yeah. you always have a main or master branch uh you you do features off that to uh to test something so if you want to change something you do you would do a branch um and then as soon as it's ready you do a pull request or whatever and i would have ci ideally i would have ci set set up on that pr so Continuous integration set up on that pull request just to uh, um, to, to expand the acronym. So, um, and then get it get that into main or master as soon as possible uh, because there might be a need to do another thing in which you in which case you need to branch off that main branch again. And yeah, so just basically keep it all main. The reason I say that is because branches are kind. Of of invisible um in a way and so if you end up with lots of different branches which with lots of lots of different code um which you're using on things that can get very confusing very quickly uh, in my experience yeah to ex- expand on that a little and I've, I've seen it a couple of places um before as well as if you if you have kind of a your main branch almost doesn't particularly matter. It's kind of you have a developer and you have a production branch, that kind of thing, and then all of a sudden you just get this divergence where develop doesn't really match what's in production anymore, and then you start testing one and just go, right, okay, I now have six months of commits or whatever to now try and get into my production branch, and now you're just going, well, it's, you know, hopefully it all works and you're in a great situation, but there's other times where you merge develop into your production. You get it working in production, you just go, well, it's broken, but I don't know which one of this six <laughs> months of commits caused my problem anymore. Um, yeah. So the flow that I tend to work with is very similar to what Jerry was saying, um, which is trunk-based. Um, have your main most of the time in production, but I will add a bit of a caveat to that in a minute. 
And and yeah, then then take a branch off it. Work on your feature. Work on how you're going to um, deploy that somewhere, and then um, merge that back into your default branch. Whether that's main master or, um, depends on where you are. The other thing I would potentially say on that one is tagged features. So rather than just going straight away main directly into production or directly into an environment. If you're not quite at the stage where you're just going, right, okay, the moment code's merged in, it has to be out in production. You might just work on a tag commit basis. So so you've got your main branch, but it might be slightly ahead of what's in production, but probably not by long. So you're working more on a, you know, I've, I've now tagged something that's now released, I don't know, 1.1.1. Right, okay, that that now will be the bit that goes out into production, but then main or default, will be running in a pre-production environment. So I know it's running, I know it's there. And the moment I tag it, that now goes out into um, the production environment. And yeah, you can get a little diverged at that point because you've not got exactly what's running in production in your pre-production environment. But it, it, it's not quite to the effect of completely divergent branches. It's just I'm slightly behind in production, mainly because I just don't want to take live traffic down and then start roll and then just go right tag and then um, take it out but it depends depends on the place if you're somewhere where you can literally just say you know i now have my merge code that is all, what's emerged in main is running in production then yeah i i still subscribe to the trunk-based development at that point which again is the branch off do some quick changes to it and just try and get it back into the main branch as quick as you can don't have these long lasting branches because again going back to what i was saying i've worked at places where um the developed branch has been months upon months and they would do a release once every three to six months because of how far they were apart and then you just go you know what we literally can't work out what's going on anymore. We don't know what's broken this and we don't feel safe doing it. So there'd be a change window that'd be about a week long just to make sure that if anything went wrong, we, we were covered to say, you know, we have a massive maintenance window because we just don't know if it's going to break. We literally have got no idea. So yeah, that's my thoughts on it anyway. There is a, in this, with this client, there's um, I'm working on this environment in Australia and I'm also working to set up environments uh, in their local office. Uh, and the the Australia branch diverged quite a long way from the the master or, or the main branch. Uh, but I have to keep it there. I have to keep it active because that's the, the sort of client-facing thing. And it needs to be – you need to have that committed, what you've done. But I'm working. It's, it's a constant task to keep – to kind of – try and converge those branches because I eventually yeah. want the the Australia branch to be in master yeah. and just have sort of a conditional bits in the code to say this is this environment and so this code this code needs to run in this way um, but it's still part of the master master branch uh, it's, it's very foremost in my mind that and to, to not let that branch diverge uh to actively try and converge it so you end up uh, sort of cherry picking commits back uh, from from the master branch or, or even just manually looking at the code and trying to make it look the same <laughs> or trying to to, to 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 the bits that you can make the same make the same and then make the environment specific things more conditional yeah, that there is one thing I would say actually potentially for a long-lived branch, but it's actually a completely other way of looking at it, and that's for potentially a deprecated version of the tool you're using, for example. 
places that I've seen and also a few um, public repositories sometimes still support Terraform 11, despite how old it is. A lot of people didn't move because of all the big changes. And I've still seen some people using Terraform 11. So they just go, right, we'll maintain a Terraform 11 branch. And there will still be every now and then some security fixes. There'll be other fixes in there. But there's no active development in that. But it means that if you're still using Terraform 11, you make sure you um, reference that Terraform 11 branch. And then you're not having to think, right, I've only got this old tag commit. Or they've got to think, right, if I tag this, but then at this point, I also need to tag this one. Um, just having a specific right. It's a deprecated tool, or at least deprecated version of the tool, but we'll still carry on supporting it. But at the same time, it, it, it's not a huge reason for having it. But I, I've seen it used just as a, you know, we getting to getting people off the tool sometimes, you know, you might get to a point where actually you're just pushing people away rather than keeping them there, but just saying, right, we'll support you, but just not as much as we will the newer newer versions. So yeah, that is another potential usage for long-lived branches. I mean, you know, for, for some people, long-lived branches are the way. For me, I'm not a fan personally at all. I don't have much of an opinion about branches because I've never really operated as an ops person who's doing CICD stuff. So uh, I can't really comment on that. Uh, the one thing I did want to say, though, was that you mentioned before about using Git, um, GitHub Actions to do CICD stuff. I've stuck into the chat for Jitsi, which is the, the web chat thing that we use, the, the video call stuff that we're using, uh, a link to uh, the, the GitHub Action uh, HashiCorp, the company that make Terraform produce, and I've just stuck that into the uh, into the YouTube chat as well because that's the Jitsi things being streamed over there for those of those people that are, are watching us. But so that would uh, that lets you run all the Terraformy things that you might want to do in GitHub if you're using GitHub. So it'll do things like uh, you can do your GitHub plan, oh, sorry, your GitHub, your Terraform plan uh, off the back of a pull request, and that will then show you what things will change in your environment, which uh, which could be quite useful before you merge it, in the same way that you might run a linter or a set of unit tests when you get a pull request in, see yeah, whether you're, you're happy with putting that in. Because that's what one of my colleagues were doing. It's like we're saying, well, if we do a pull request, we, we want to do it to do like, a, you know, when you, when you do a plan, then put the plan output in your in the commit, in the commit, in, yeah, so I think. And also talking about that, in the lint, the, 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 what was it, sorry, lint stuff where you like it verifies your code or whatever that makes sure you what's so, it called? So linting isn't, isn't really verifying your code. What it's doing is it's looking to make sure that you've not made any stupid mistakes. Yeah. It can't look at things like, was the intention of this code to do action X, but it's actually done action Y? What, it'll, what linting will do is say you had a double quote there and you should have had a single quote or... You so had two dollar signs. Syntax, yeah, so what? it's syntax checking. It's effectively saying com to compare it to a compiler. Yeah, you know, if I were to compile this, would it compile? Yes or no. So it's really useful in dynamically typed libraries like like PHP, but also you know it, uh, things like Python. Really useful for things like that as well. So yeah, like mm. in the link that I shared earlier about this for Ned in the cloud, he's showing like if you in your Terraform code, if you put like if you put the equal sign, like 
Solo was nice, nice and formatic, I think. And I didn't realize that you can do like a pre commit hooks as well with Git as well. So I didn't know that. It's, it's, it's all in the video, but like it says, when, when he does a commit, it, it checks it all for you kind of thing. So it's really interesting. So in we, the we, last podcast, we discussed yeah. pre commit hooks. Did we? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's also pre commit the, the package, the Python package, which uh, can, which lets you, it's like a framework for pre commit hooks. So you can do like config files, uh, yeah. kind of YAML config files, and yeah. and have it check things like, you know, if there's uh, .tf files, it'll check your Terraform code. If there's a .yaml files, it'll lint your YAML for you, yeah. and that kind of thing. I've used it for um, also for code itself. So you can do things like it'll just run unit tests or run a just, you know, for example, with Go, there's something called Golang CI Lint, and it's just the most known package that comes along and just lints your Go code. Um, you can have it so that even before your commit is created, it'll just go, right, let's just do a lint on this. No, you failed, right, until this passes, your commit isn't even created. It just makes sure you just, you know, it, it's almost like um, just like a little bit of extra health and a little help um, for your code so you're not having to think all the time and, you know, uh, as as much as you know you, you know might, you might be doing this stuff day to day a lot of times when you're tired and you forget something or whatever so just something there's almost like a you know a little help in hand is always good and yeah pre, pre-commit is really good for that i mean pre-commit is something you can also run in ci um you, you can so you can use exactly the same config files to run for instance your github action i think i mean I, i'm not sure if it's supported specifically in github actions but you can um yeah, you can have the the so the same. It checks. It, it uses a config file in your repository, and the CI can just pick up that config file, uh, just just as your um, your developer workstation does. Yannick uh, Murray, who's uh, one of our one of our listeners, has just uh, he said that Anthony Sotile wrote the pre-commit hook. Uh, he's doing a lot of Python streams on Twitch, so uh, so that's quite useful. That's Thank you very much. Yeah. Dropping in the show notes as well. Yeah. So, Al, does do you, does your team have a branching strategy, or uh, well, we do for our code for like how we do it for our code, but because obviously we are now doing a lot more in Terraform and running things like that, we want to kind of with all our ARM templates, we're kind of using doing it, so we're committing the code into our main branch our development branch and we're just, then we're branching off that as a feature branch and we name that as in the month we run we release monthly we release a monthly so we release it so that's like the name of the branch for that month and then we release we then put that branch and that artifact then goes into our staging environment and then we then do it into production but to us working we're just trying to make because the people who do all the arm tables were developers, but so they so it's already complicated. So we're just doing it, working out what the best way is future in for us to kind of what's the best way to go forward. Because at the moment we do our Terraform code, it's all stored in, in Git, but we do it all in it manually from our machines when we want to run something. So when we want to do something properly, we want to we want to be doing it properly. If you know what I mean, doing CI/CD pipeline, yeah. Really kind of thing, so. yeah, you don't want to be running things from your machines. You want the your CI yeah. system to be doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a slow process, but we're getting there. That's why I keep asking you guys what you think, kind of thing. So <laughs> you can yeah. Google it and write it out and people's best practices, kind of thing. So 
Yeah, I, I suppose the thing to point out as well is um, us talking about long-lived feature branches and stuff like that. It's it's not to say don't ever do it. It's just more of a, you know, from my experience, it's not my preferred way, but that doesn't mean don't ever do anything like this. Um, so, yeah. Um, I mean, personally, I have found the uh, branching off and then planning, applying, um, or, you know, just doing it directly from CI and the CI takes care of all your planning and applies from a feature branch and then merge it in, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's how I prefer it because it's just very quick and everyone's kind of working at least as close as possible to the same code, but just with their own little bit that comes off it. And yeah, as I say, you start getting these divergent branches all of a sudden everyone's working yeah. on different Because like, if you had a feature branch that's come up, then would you say you don't put in... Like, so if you had two separate different environments, like a staging UAT environment, you just have like like gate so it'd go you'd your, your pipe your ci pipeline would then push it to staging if it was at it was then happy with that then you could say right i'm not going to push it go to another stage in your ci pipeline well then pushes and it tests it on your uat i mean it, it, it's kind of it, it's all dependent on how you want to go about it whether it's you want it more of an automated kind of thing where it will actually just you, the moment you um create a branch yeah um it might start at running a version of that code somewhere and then at that point if that if that passes it'll then move on to the next one automatically yeah or you could have it where it's you know everything is run from a pipeline but you're going in there and just going right okay you can now run that bit and then go to the next bit just go right okay click play or wh whatever it is yeah. to then do the next stage so depend on where, where you are um some places staging is is almost like a it's so brittle that you know you, you've almost got to what look at it as a do I really want to commit that? Do I know that's going to reflect production? Yeah. And other places, staging will just literally be right. Um, it's as as good as production, just without the production data. So I'm, I'm ha as long as this says it's going to pass, I'm happy for it to go in kind of thing. One of the things that I've suggested to people in the past, and again, it depends on a lot about kind of how your different environments are kind of configured and the kind of the, the sorts of, profiles of teams that you're working with and your customers and stuff like that but one thing that i've suggested that you could do is if you're not sure how much of a change your pull request or merge request is going to make why not deploy a whole new so basically rerun your terraform apply into a brand new effectively you know staging account or you know something and then run a terraform apply with the new version of code. So it's maybe only up for like, you know, 20 minutes or, you know, depending on how long it take, all takes to build, but you know, you're only running it for a, few, a short period and then tearing it down and building it back up again. But again, it's, there's a lot of what are your normal operational practices? Uh, some, so some customers that I've worked with in the past have got pre-prod, non-prod, prod, dev, test, QA, sandboxes, Mm -hmm. you know they've got lots and lots of different options um and it's just kind of what works best for for you at that particular time yeah and and, and another point on that is and um, i was i was alluding to it before in terms of the kind of infrastructure that you might have if you've got something that you're relying on like a external third-party system that is particularly expensive to run and you can only afford to have two two of them um so something like you know you've got one in stage and you've got one in production 
you can't then go and spin up another environment and allow it to allow it to talk to that kind of thing because the amount of security group rules and all that kind of thing to get that working might not work out. So some it's you know I've I've worked at a couple of places where yeah staging is in, is incredibly incredibly brittle. It's used for everything in everything that's not production. So whether that's your QA, whether that's testing out new features, whether that's uh, I'm about to throw this into production kind of thing, and it's just all merged into one place. And then other ones, it's very much a delineation of this is something I'm trying out. This is as good as production without the data. This is now production. This is going a step further where um, not half half the the company is not allowed to see it because it's got personal identifiable information in there. So it goes a step further, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it's if anything, it's kind of got to align with um, how your how your company works. Uh, the, the summary that I, I, I would make is is that um, everyone has got um, a, a a test environment or a, a dev a dev environment. Uh, no, 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 no. Everyone's got a dev in, a dev or a test environment. <laughs> Not everyone's lucky enough to have a separate production environment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is funny because uh, we were talking about obviously about people having these different environments, pre-prod and prod, and you know whether this is contains customer data or not. Uh, one thing Yannick posted in in the uh, in the, the chat that uh, some people have got post-prod or forensic prod. Yes, I'm joking about that. But one of the things that we uh, we recommend in in my place is if you ever have an incident, a uh, security incident, is that what you should do is is kind of uh, move your machines, basically cut them off from the network, but still leave them in in your environment so that you can go back and figure out what on earth was happening to them before. So yes, yes, I have heard of that one. It's the um, it, it, it's the online equivalent of cutting the ca- cables with the scissors um, yes. things. But yes. <laughs> Yeah, because yes. every network admin loves somebody loves the uh, loves the way of quarantining with with uh, with physical physical <laughs> shoes. <laughs> it's like that bit in Die Hard where he just comes along with a chainsaw and starts cutting the wires while the guy's <laughs> trying to do his his work. <laughs> yeah, well, well, probably when you first saw that, you started with Bruce Willis, and then you got into this career, and you started with the guy just trying to get on with his job and just going, "Why did he have to turn up and ruin this for him?" <laughs> yeah. So we got to episode one hundred at last. I was just thinking the other day, when did I, so my first, apparently the first one we released was in July the 1st, 2014. What, so that's eight years ago, I think. Yeah, eight and a half. And it was a very different show then. And I was asking when, Jerry, where did we meet at Odd Camp? What Odd Camp did we first meet? That was 2014. So uh, I'm not sure when that was in, in 2014. It's... It's like summer, sort of August, September, sort of time, I think. Uh, and it was in Oxford, so oh, yeah, yeah. So, so that was. Uh, so I joined. Uh, I think you'd done like something like fourteen episodes or yeah. something. Was it? Was it something like that? And yeah, yeah, we'd. Uh, That's yeah, long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't go. This is the old episodes, like <laughs> probably. <quite important. laughs> Yes, I'm the newbie. I've only been here a couple of and a half years now. So um, I think, what was my first one? If I looked on here, I think I probably still got them all, but it's something like about, let's see, podcast. I think I've been podcast. Episode 80 was the first one I joined as a guest. So I've only been here for um, a fifth of them so far. So I nearly met people at Old Camp, but uh, yeah, I went to Old Camp and then kind of 
just disappeared a little bit. So yeah, I um hopefully in the future something like that happens again. I can meet everyone, but yeah, just didn't at that time. Hopefully something will happen next year. So uh, I think the first one. So I I think my first admin admin podcast was somewhere around about episode sixty. Sounds about um, right. Yeah. I think you came uh, correct about was... networking stuff, I think. So uh, I may have corrected you about a lot of networking. No, it might not even have been about networking stuff. I think it might have just been like general security posture and, you know, everything being wrong. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it, it was something like that. Something yeah. Like so, that. so to go back to uh, the basically the, re- the reason that john is now a co-host of the podcast is because he just kept emailing in after every episode <laughs> correcting us on our, <laughs> on our technical details so yeah uh, yes it is <laughs> uh, and yannick has said that he met us at og camp in 2019 the one in manchester so so i organize i helped to organize the 2018 and 2017 og camps and Jerry crewed for both of those ones. Did you crew any of the ones before that? No, the first first crew was uh, the Sheffield one, uh, I think. Um, yeah, because I could make it on Sunday for the Sheffield one. Oh, actually, you did I Canterbury, did you, Canterbury but you had to go home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to leg it before yeah. it even really started. Yeah. So. Mm. yeah. The one with the infamous T-shirts Oof. and the even more infamous talk that we never talk about. Oh, the one about, about the colour. No, no, we don't talk about it. <laughs> Needless to say, do not write your talks drunk. Yeah. <laughs> well, with a with a security Google person in the in the um. It, it wasn't. It was. They weren't from Google. Oh, they well, were from well, Mozilla. They were... Yeah, they were from Mozilla. Okay. They didn't work on the browser, fortunately, but they did work <laughs> on the Rust project, and they were very, 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 very lovely, but just. <laughs> It just went horribly wrong. <laughs> horribly, horror. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, horribly wrong. Um, but no, I, I, I genuinely, I loved organising odd camps. But I think my my youngest was probably like two or three at that point, and uh, I just, I just had a dreadful. I, I, I think, I think actually, I came out at the end of the odd camp, and I just felt really kind of paranoid about how everything had gone. And it's not that anyone had said anything particular to me, um, but I think just kind of like the, looking after kids and, you know, everything else. And you get the, you get the end of it and you just go, did I do actually everything that I wanted to, to do? Was it, was it all right? Uh, was it not? Um, and the fact that there was uh, some, uh, that Dan and Les wanted to organize things for the 2019 one in Manchester I think I was just really glad to, to be able to hand it on to someone else. Yeah, Odd Camp's a really good event, and I think I think we really need kind of more. I mean, it's been hard because obviously 2020, Odd Camp was supposed to have been in Edinburgh, but the guy that tried to – sorry, the, the team that tried to organise it fell foul of COVID because obviously that landed in 2020. And then where they'd planned to run the event in, in Edinburgh – in 2020 they'd had like a sabbatical year so it had been planned to be run in that sabbatical year so when it then came round to well can you pick it up in 2021 they were like well no actually no i can't uh 2022 
uh, so even even if they'd have wanted to organise things in 2021, I think 2021 was still kind of a bit. It was a bit risky to uh, to try and organise events in 2021. Yeah. Even now, sort of tail end of 2022, still really struggling to kind of get community events up and running that aren't virtual ones. You know, people are much more expecting things to be kind of hybrid. It's really hard to get all the streaming stuff going. I mean, I don't know if anyone saw there was like a massive controversy around uh, an event that was held at XL in London uh, earlier a couple of months ago where they'd planned to have kind of streaming on, on the stages and then kind of the team that they were going to bring into it had a load of personal issues and so they couldn't make it down. Uh, to be fair, there's a lot more that went on in that particular event. Obviously, I wasn't there, but, you know, it just kind of brings home the fact that all it takes is a couple of things that you're hoping to be in place, yeah. not to come together and what you, you go from. Well, it would be really nice if we could to this is the worst thing for everyone ever. And, I mean, as an organ- as, a, as an event organiser, the last thing you want is more complications than you already kind of have going on. So, I'd be interested. Good, good, good to catch up with people, even if it's just like, even if it wasn't like an odd camp, just catching up one day with someone. I don't know, kind of things. They had like the, they had like a junior pub, didn't they? Catch up in London, and I've mentioned it. Like they've got like in the matrix room saying, "Does anyone want to meet up next year?" But that's no, so like, unless you kind of like, no, it's like full on dead airs, isn't it? It seems to be Joe Ressington that's organising a lot of this stuff on, <laughs> yeah. on the UK side, doesn't it? Yeah, the, just the get-togethers and the. the I was really annoyed because if it could they organise it for the Saturday and I was away and I could make it on the Saturday, but then they changed it to Friday at the last minute. It's just like mm-hmm. ah, yeah, that was down well. to. Sorry. That was because the guy that was yeah. coming over for it from the states, he his flight was on okay. Saturday. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. It's um, it's just it's just tricky. I, I think I think odd camp events were always very heavily driven by the listeners yeah. of kind of the two key podcasts that kind of got it all running. Mm-hmm. And seeing as they kind of shut down, it makes it more tricky i mean it's not it's not impossible but it's much more tricky for those for those specific events to kind of resume i think i think there is a kind of space to have smaller events the i think that the kind of worry is that so like i've been to a couple of bar camps in the manchester area uh sort of in the last in the last two years you know 2021 2022 they are doable and, and and a regional event is much is much more achievable because you've got smaller numbers. Yeah. Smaller numbers means you've got more chance of getting venues. Venues means, you know, you kind of know how many people you can have coming. One of the problems we had with Ogcamp was the numbers were very fluid. So one year we had nearly 500 the year that i ran it in canterbury was i think it was closer to like 150 something like that and it's just it's just tricky but that said the the canterbury was a bit of a nightmare to get to and i think if i was doing it all again probably wouldn't have done canterbury from my personal perspective it was like i think it was nearly four hours on the train just to get down there 
you know, and, and I know that I'm not, I wouldn't have been alone with the journey being that long. So that said, we did have people that came from abroad and, uh, you know, four hours to come from abroad is, is, is nothing really. So can I really complain about it? Probably (laughs) not, but you know, these things. Anyway, we've, we've, we've waffled on quite a lot about meeting back up again and stuff yeah no i think something i don't know you need to say like we're meeting this weekend and then just trying to publish it isn't it kind of thing just like i mean dave would guess we meet but if we did something central more like not in london but more way up your way isn't it, it might be in the middle i don't know where but no that's what it keeps going over my mind about doing it just like on a saturday or something just so i know that with work i tried to kind of i found a tool that worked out how long it took to get from various parts of the country to other other parts of the country. Yeah. And most people can easily get to London. But then it's the cost of staying there, though, isn't it? Isn't Absolutely. It? Cost of staying there and the cost of hiring venues um, is, is hard. Manchester is reasonably easy for people who are in London to get to because it's, you know, it's two hours by train um you know it's two hours by car well maybe close to three you know but you know it's not it's not the end of the world to get to but then that's fine for people that are in london but if you are in anywhere other than london you've got to basically get into london and then back out again i think um, including if you're if you're up north you've still got to go to but back down to london and back up to manchester <laughs> yeah definitely so there's no west to east you know, there are a couple of west to east points so sheffield to manchester leads to manchester there they are routes that run but they are not fast routes Unfortunately, uh, not wishing to bring politics into it too much, but um, HS2 was the route that should have enabled the fast access from east to west, west to east, and that never happened uh, for the routes for those routes. So we are stuck with older, <laughs> uh, with older and slower routes across across the north of England. So yeah, damn those politics. It's an interesting one. We are looking to move up to near York Way, and I was thinking, oh, Manchester would be a lot closer now. I used to go there a lot when I used to live in Sheffield. Turns out it's further than it would be to get to London, even from York to Manchester. It's just, oh, right. Well, where <laughs> I am is anywhere. Do You have to go get an hour before you get anywhere from my mm. place. We're in the dark, decent Norfolk and stuff. <laughs> okay, nice. then. Cool. No, I might think about set, trying to set something up next year, because I'm really annoyed. That I, I missed the that meet up in London. But I think you say well, we haven't got the Ubuntu podcast or anything to push it or anything, have we? So that's you think all the people we know from Old Camp he every would be there every year kind of thing. It's just yeah, it's just a shame that anyway. podcasts anymore. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we've got the prediction show next to you, haven't we as well? Oh my word, I'd forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> I forget about it every year, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I noticed recently that every single um, half the pod, the predictions thinking, yeah, that's really dead cert, and then going, uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, everything just got proved wrong. Like like my arm one, which was um i've one of the um cloud providers that does not provide arm right now will provide it but the other one won't no both do now so yeah and i felt that was the one i felt strongest about the rest were just kind of poking in the air so yeah 
Um, I think the, the the frustration around that is that I think AWS was actually running ARM stuff before last year, so that kind of renders that a bit moot. Mm. Um, so that kind of you, you, you lost that one by default because it was an already existing scenario. So. Yeah, it, it was the idea of either Azure or Google would do it, but then the other one wouldn't, and it turns out both did. So now, <laughs> or, now it's just oh yeah, never mind. I I had it in my mind. But, one of them wasn't going to and yeah it just turns out everyone just went yeah this arm thing's good oh yeah i mean i'm glad that they're doing it but at the same time i'm also not glad because i'll get zero again so yeah it's terrible. i'm john's gonna win by default <laughs> by like by like a loophole or something yeah. anyway. hang on, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> winning by a loophole i think you'll find i don't do winning by loopholes i do winning on or 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 not winning. There's no <laughs> loopholes. <laughs> very much. Right. But I might try and negotiate for a third <laughs> Okay, well, thanks everyone for tuning in to the, our hundred episode. I didn't even know we'd get this far. Yeah, it's been fun. I've been I've really enjoyed being part of this. Uh, obviously, there was kind of a, a period where I was offline because of because of work stuff. Yeah, but I've really enjoyed being a part of this podcast, and it's. Um, kind of gives you an opportunity to talk about stuff that you wouldn't necessarily talk about anywhere else. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite good. That's that. why I kind of started the podcast in the first place, because there wasn't, when I was listening my commute, my hour each way, I couldn't find something what I wanted to talk, what which we are talking about. And I like how I can bring what I'm kind of like, need to know for work, or whatever, kind of like, so <laughs> the people who discuss it kind of thing from their kind of point of view. Yeah, in a weird way as well, um, work has become more like recording the podcast. Uh, <laughs> a lot of it is, is spent in video conferencing or, or on calls. Yeah. Uh, and that's a bit like recording the podcast, but a bit more fun. Obviously, recording the podcast. Because we, were, we were at the start doing it like every two weeks, weren't we? That was like, but that was. That was the plan, yeah. Yeah, but... We're now lucky if we do it every two months. <laughs> <laughs> I think we hit every two months. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, anything, anything more kind of than than six weeks is anything. Sorry, anything under six weeks is is lucky. Yeah. But uh, talking of predictions, we did actually make our hundredth episode by the end of twenty twenty two, which is. Uh, you know. Who had that in as a prediction? I, I feel like Owl had it for last year. I can't remember if we re- resurrected yeah, that think... one for this year. Or <laughs> I think, I, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> maybe we do have a point for someone in this one that doesn't need negotiation. Uh, yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah, we're just finishing up. Then what do we need to say? Last parts. See you again, dear listener. <laughs> Are you peering behind, behind the curtain? Behind the curtain. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You, this yeah. is this stuff all normally kind of goes on in secret we have like this lovely little <laughs> list of things to say <laughs> i think i think it's fair to say that unless someone's got the list of uh of patreon subscribers to hand <laughs> uh unfortunately as love as much as we love you for subscribing to us on patreon you're not going to get a shout out this time <laughs> i think we've uh oh no sorry a further peek behind the curtain, we used a Trello board to organise everything. And I thought the thing that we referred to was not on there, but it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> so we say thank you to Dave for doing our lovely editing of this episode. Sorry, Dave. We've got a nice Telegram group. You can come and um, chat to us. It's been quite quiet lately. 
But I think everyone's just been busy working, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah, and thank you for listening then, everyone. And uh, we'll see you next on episode 101 when we do our prediction show, I'm guessing. Yes. And triple figures for episodes, it's good. Hang on, are you are you accusing me of trying to break something so I so I win? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think we're breaking it by having triple digits or whatever. No, no. Oh yeah, <laughs> we haven't got any automation on this anything, so it's just no. nowhere. If if any of our lovely listeners have got any predictions that they want to send in to us, please feel free to do so, and one of the four of us will uh, rapidly steal that as their very own, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I never get we'll right. absolutely give you credit <laughs> for them. Um, but yeah, uh, so feel free to uh, to contact him. Uh, I'd like to thank Dave. I know Al's already sort of said he's he's uh, he, he's going to be editing this and do a fab job. But uh, Dave came on board about the same time as I did, and he he already records a, a number of podcasts on his off his own back, and he edits this one as well. And he's just absolutely one of the nicest people i have ever met and uh i i just i i don't think i don't think this podcast would would be carrying on in the way that it was it, what way that it is if it hadn't been for dave so thank you very much uh through dave uh we are also members We're- of the other side podcast network um which is which is great uh and and i know that we've uh, so yannick who's been uh, commenting in in the chat alongside this uh, is a member of the other side podcast network as well uh, as part of uh, one of his podcasts which is uh, T Earl Grey Hot uh, he, he he wanted to give that a plug so uh, so there we go there's a plug for you um, and Yannick is also agreeing that Dave is 110% everything that I just said so uh, Dave we oh. love you don't ever go change him we'll buy you a beer next time we see you see us <laughs> another thing see that definitely means we've got to have something where we meet up yeah, uh, Dave's going to be paralytic. All right, then, guys and girls, thank you very much. We'll see you all soon. Bye-bye. See you Bye. been listening to a member of the other side podcast network find more about our shows at otherside.network <laughs>